Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's almost hard to believe, isn't it, that we're less than a month away from Christmas? 26 days, right, Natasha? Yeah, 26 days. If you ever want to know how many days away from Christmas we are, just ask Natasha. She'll tell you. Even the 300s, I think you know. (laughs) But it is one of those times of the year where you just think of all of the busyness, all of the craziness that goes on, and it's great to stop and just think about who it is that we're worshiping, who it is that we're looking forward to celebrating, not just being born in that stable in Bethlehem, but also born to return, to return to judge the living and the dead, to take us home with him forever. And so over the course of the next several weeks in this Advent season, let's answer the question, who is Jesus? And as we do, see why that answer is so important, why it matters so much. Jesus was having a discussion with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, and he asked them this question, who do people say that I am? Disciples responded, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that that you're Elijah or one of the prophets, Jeremiah. But then Jesus asked the all-important question, who do you say that I am? That question hasn't become any less important over the last couple thousand years, has it? It's still at the heart of everything that you and I believe. It's at the heart of everything that's important in this life. It's at the heart of what will happen to us when life in this world comes to an end. I suppose today if we went out on State Street or somewhere in our neighborhoods and asked a hundred different people, who is Jesus, we might get a lot of different answers. But as we see over the course of the next few weeks in answering that question for ourselves, who is Jesus, what we answer makes an eternal difference. It has eternal impact. And today as we see Jesus call himself Alpha and Omega, let's pick up the truths that Jesus is trying to instill in us through those two words, Alpha and Omega. It comes from Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, our sermon text for today. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I'm going to take you back to my Greek studying days. Maybe first I'll start with this. How many of you have ever studied a foreign language, a language other than English? Raise your hand if you've studied. Okay, quite a few. First service, we didn't have so many. So it's nice that we have a few more people. Do you remember the first thing that you have to do, right, when you start an English class or a language class that isn't English is you have to learn a new alphabet, right? Well, Greek is no different. You have to learn the Greek alphabet. And I do remember this as long ago as it was. I remember sitting in class and the professor introducing the letters one at a time. And at first I thought, this is going to be easy. Maybe you can understand why. There's the first letter, alpha. Looks like an A, just like English, right? No big deal. Went on to beta. Oh, it looks like a B. This is going to be a piece of cake. And then it started getting a little bit more difficult. This gamma seemed to come out of nowhere. And then, well, delta and epsilon, not so bad. And then these three came, zeta, eta, theta, and you're, it was, I was lost almost instantly. Then the worst of all came when we got down to this letter down here, rho, because it looks like a P, but it makes the R sound. I was so confused. I was thankful, very thankful that I knew at least that alpha and omega were the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. It gave me at least something to walk out of class and say, okay, I know a little bit of the Greek alphabet, right? So 
You understand what Jesus is saying when he calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last? That's what Jesus is trying to drive home to us today, what the meaning of he is Alpha and Omega is. And I want to look at two parts to Jesus calling himself that today. First of all, it demonstrates that Jesus is eternally powerful. And also that Jesus can provide life that will continue beyond life in this world. Three times in the book of Revelation, we hear Jesus call himself, I am the, the Alpha and the Omega. And fittingly, he does it once at the beginning of the letter and two times at the end of Revelation. The first one, right here in Revelation chapter 1, John is setting up what he is going to see in his vision. He quotes these words of Jesus as part of his introduction. If you've ever sat down to read Revelation or tried to work your way through it, you might have come across some things that confused you a little bit, maybe even frustrated you, maybe even were a little bit frightening. John's about to reveal all those things and he wants people to know that there is no reason for panic. He puts these words of Jesus where he does to remove our fears. Jesus has the last word as the Alpha and the Omega. The verse right before our text begins reminds us that Jesus is coming back on the last day. Look, he's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, we're told. And so when Jesus calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, he is giving us his identity. He is identifying himself with God himself. He is true God. The Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. If there's one characteristic of God that that idea drives home, does it make sense that that characteristic is God's eternal nature? That Jesus, as he says of himself, always was, always is, always will be? What a comfort that is for us to know that we serve an eternal God and an eternal Savior is the one who came to rescue us. We read just before about the work of Jesus as the creator all the way back at that first day. Let there be light. Jesus hasn't changed from that day. The writer to the Hebrews says it this way, In Jesus we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. And that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What Jesus was yesterday, he will be tomorrow, and he is today. I suppose a word that we could use to describe Jesus is the idea that he is steadfast, that he is always faithful to his promises, that he will never change. It's pretty amazing. Do you know someone in this world, someone that you spend quite a bit of time with, that is the same person every single day? It's pretty hard to do, isn't it? We're experiencing the ups and downs of this life so that you find somebody that seems to have the same joy and the same attitude every single day. It's pretty rare. But that's Jesus. The same every single day, faithful to his promises. When Jesus calls himself the Lord God, he's referring back to an Old Testament special name for God himself. Have you heard the name Yahweh before or Jehovah? A literal translation of that word Yahweh is I am. It's what God said about himself at the burning bush when Moses asked, who should I say sent me? Tell them, I am sent you. I am who I am. Again, the constancy of God, the faithfulness of God to all of his promises is what Jesus is highlighting. And that's the Jesus who's coming back. 
That's the one who's coming back to judge the living and the dead. Maybe we could ask ourselves, what gives Jesus the authority to be in that position? Did you hear the last word that Jesus called himself? The Almighty? It's kind of an interesting word in the Greek. Sometimes people actually make, bring it right over into the English, so maybe you've even heard this word before. The Greek word is pantokrator. Pantokrator. Anybody ever heard that word before? It means quite simply all-powerful, that Jesus has all dominion, that there is nothing and no one in this life that is greater than him. Jesus is the CEO of the universe. That's an amazing thing to think about. It's amazing to think about because, well, as the Apostle Paul writes, if God is for us, then, then who can be against us? Shouldn't we walk through this life without any worries or cares because we serve the Almighty God who never changes? Of course. But we also know it's not that easy, right? We know how easy fear finds its way into our lives. We know how easy it is for worry to worm its way into our hearts, to be filled with anxieties about everything and anything. Let me ask you this morning, what are your anxieties? What did you bring to church with you this morning that keeps you up at night? Makes you panic a little bit, worry. And if your answer is nothing, good for you. Good for you. But I'm going to guess most of you are like me and there are things that are weighing on your hearts and minds. For our students, maybe it's the semester exams that are just around the corner. Maybe it's a feeling of isolation during this holiday season. Maybe it's the fear that we're here, we hear about every single day about a pandemic that's here and not going away anytime soon. Maybe it's some financial trouble that you have, worried about paying the rent this month. There's so many things, aren't there, that come into our hearts and lives that make us panic, that make us worry and afraid. And then we have Jesus. Say to us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We answered the all-important question, who is Jesus? He is the Almighty. He is Panto Pantocrator. If you can remember that word, it's okay if you don't. Just remember the idea that he's almighty. That's your God. The God who can change anything. The God who's in control of all things. What a blessing for us to live in this life knowing that. If any of you are uh, fans of The Crown on Netflix, anybody watch The Crown? You can raise your hands if you have. Okay, we have a couple. All right, a couple history students. Great. The Crown is actually one of Netflix's most popular series. It is about you won't be surprised. The British royalty. Have you ever noticed that people seem to be drawn to royalty? I, I think particularly Americans are drawn to what's going on across the pond in England, especially when it comes to the royal family. Doesn't it seem like nobody in the royal family can make a move without it being reported in some way, shape, or form? And I always ask myself, well, what is it? What is it about especially British royalty that seems to draw people's attention? What is it that makes people want to know more or think about that? And I don't know the answer. I wonder if it's a little bit of the history of the monarchy, the pomp and circumstance that's a part of it. Or, or maybe it's just so different from our own experience to think about an absolute ruler. Someone who has power like a king or a queen does. Then I thought to myself, that's just an earthly ruler. And yet here we serve the king of kings, the almighty one, the one who's more powerful than anything and anyone on this earth. And yes, that gives us comfort and confidence as we live our lives in this world. 
It's got to be more than that, though, doesn't it? If it were only for this life that we had this kind of idea that Jesus is with us, wouldn't that really be kind of a hopeless situation? Oh, Jesus can make your life a little bit better here. You don't have to worry as much. But God wants so much more. The Apostle Paul actually wrote about that in the Great Resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, If only for this life we have hope in Jesus, hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. See, because God wants so much more. With Jesus, we have certainty that is beyond our life in this world. It's because our salvation, our forgiveness begins and it ends with Jesus. God's plan of salvation began by him sending Jesus into this world to live that perfect life that the writer to the Hebrews talked about where he lived without sin, to die, delivered over to death for your sins and mine, paying the price for all of our sins. And then Jesus really showed his almighty power when he rose from the dead. And it is that power, that resurrection that guarantees that you and I will rise from the dead as well. It's the thing that guarantees that our life in this world will go on. This is not the end. We have joy to which we look forward. That's why God caused Solomon to write about that very thing in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 where Solomon wrote that God has set eternity in the hearts of human beings. God put eternity in your heart and mind because he wants us to long for something more than just life in this world. And that's exactly what Jesus provides. The writer to the Hebrews calls Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. We could just as easily substitute the words, the one who begins and the one who ends our faith, the Alpha and the Omega. It's Jesus, our Alpha and Omega, who began the good work in us and who will carry it on to the end, carry it on to completion when we experience in full the joy of eternity with him. We know there's going to be ups and downs in this life. We know the worries and fears and anxieties are going to come, but there's no question about what we'll experience in heaven. Because sin will be absent, there will be no worries. There'll be no fears. There'll be no mourning. There'll be no pain. Because all of that will be gone. We will be with our Lord forever. That's the hope and joy that God wants to fill us right now as we look ahead to what is still to come, as we long for the eternity that he has set in our hearts. Jesus made this promise to you and to me in John chapter 14. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. What an amazing thought. Jesus wants you to live with him forever. And he's got a reservation in your name on a room with him forever. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, Jesus' eternal nature assures us that God will always prove faithful. He is in charge of past, present, and future. Number two, Jesus is almighty. We take all our fears to him. Jesus is Ponto, Pantocrator. He is in charge of all things. There is nothing that is too great for him. And if God is for us, nothing can be against us. Finally, number three, Jesus came to die and rise again to guarantee our life will continue for an eternity. The difficulties that we deal with, the worries and anxieties that we face here, those won't last forever. They're temporary. But our life with Jesus, that is forever. 
Maybe you've watched a, a television show or a movie that, that ended with those three words on the screen, to be continued. How does that make you feel? Maybe you're just a little disappointed that everything didn't wrap up so neat and tidily right away, right? Maybe a little frustrated. Maybe, like, you know, was unfinished. But could I add one more thing that usually is a part of those three words? Anticipation. You look ahead, don't you, to, to when it's going to be completed, when you're going to get the next episode, the next installment, the one that ties everything together. And those three words, to be continued, they could be said about your life and mine too. Because it's not the end in this life, but our lives truly are to be continued. And it's God and his eternal power that promises you that you have a future with him. Who is Jesus? He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is first and last. And that means this. Jesus has the last word. And his last word for you and for me is simply this. You will live with me in a life with no end in heaven. Amen. Peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.